Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales, where we believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I'm also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Today is part one of two, where we are talking to Dallas Ryan about her novels. Over the next two weeks, you will hear about writing from a young age, prioritizing where to put the money you do have when starting out, what to do about reviews, learning the language of books, and dealing with family and friends reading your books. Unbroken, book two of the Gladewater series. Once charmed by a small town girl, a big city doctor doesn't stand a chance. Attraction sizzles hotter than a skillet, but trouble from his past could put their love and her life at risk. Cafe owner Maggie Wade has a magic touch when it comes to her business and caring for her friends. Her own love life? That's where she falters, thanks to an incident long ago that shattered her self-image. Then Dr. Zane Savage comes to town. The handsome Dallas neurologist can't seem to take his warm whiskey eyes off her. Their attraction sizzles. But Maggie's been burned before. Ever since, she's kept her heart away from all sources of heat. Zane existed on a steady diet of Barbie doll types. Plastic, temporary, disposable. Until he meets Maggie. One taste of her sweet smile. Sparkling brown eyes and warm personality. And he's a goner. So what if he's been a player in the past? Maggie makes him want to be a better man. Despite the distance between them, their relationship takes flight, and Maggie's newfound confidence soars. But when a piece of trash from Zane's past blows back into his life and refuses to be shaken off, the strain puts more than Maggie's trust at risk. It puts her life in danger. So the podcast is Freya's Fairy Tales, and it is fairy tales two ways. So all of us as kids either watched or listened to or read fairy tales and short stories when we were kids. And then also the journey of you spending weeks, months, years working on your books to finally get to hold them in your hands is a sort of fairy tale for the author, for you guys as well. So I like to start off with what was your favorite fairy tale or short story when you were a kid and did that favorite change over time? Um, probably my favorite when I was a kid was Cinderella. Okay. Because um, you got the big, the fancy dresses and the Prince Charming and you got to do bad things to the bad people <laughs> at the end. <laughs> so they, yeah. they got their comeuppance. Um, which I liked. Um, and, you know, when my kids were kids, um, we went through the whole Disney princesses library. And I think my favorite there was Mulan. Because um, okay. I loved her. Um, she got to, you know, be the badass and mm-hmm. um, and take on the thing. So that was probably my favorite uh, when my kids were going through it. The okay. ones we saw then. 
And so at what age did you know you wanted to try your hand at writing? Oh, I've always written. I mean, as long as I can remember, I've written, um, especially in high school. I took a creative writing class in high mm-hmm. school and uh, really took off there. And I wrote, wrote through college. I didn't ever publish anything. Um, right. I do have a paper, though, in when I was in nursing school that I had to take a class like for extra credit because I didn't have enough credit because it was mm-hmm. a second degree. So I had to make up stuff. So I took a class and I had the professor, one of the English professors, it got shared with him for some reason. And he wanted my permission to use it in his writing class. And so that was like my first, oh, I actually write something that somebody liked. What? (laughs) (laughs) Write something good. Um, But then after that, it just kind of life, life got in the way after that. Right. Kids and they suck all the creativity out of your brain. And, uh, (laughs) and, um, and so I just picked it up again last year. And it's just gone crazy. And so how long did it take you to write your, once you sat down to actually write your first book last year, how long did it take you to write it? Like three and a half months, four months. Okay. To write the first one. Um, I don't know. It's like something went off in my brain and just started gushing out of there. You know, that <laughs> stifled up, you know, stuck up for so many years and not using any, any of my creative, you know, writing abilities. Mm-hmm. And it just started flowing. And um, and so I got that done. And thank God I, I found a really good developmental editor. Because my first book, I was like the queen of flashbacks. And, <laughs> and it probably would not have come back out as well um, if I didn't have her. So, but once I got that going and she helped me kind of organize my thoughts um, better, the second one I did you know, just about three months okay. after that. Um, so now the third one is a little bit slower. I don't know. It may not be slower by the time I get done with it, but I'm, I feel like I'm struggling a little more with it. Okay. So you knew enough at the beginning to know I need to have editors look at this, not just publish it right away. Yeah. I mean, cause I was reading it and, and going, okay, I need this here, but that is too much. And I do another flashback. I'm like, okay, this whole book can't be flashback. So, <laughs> we may as well finally, set it back in time <laughs> yeah set it back in time I was like this is a problem um so I thought well you know maybe I'll check it out and see if it's worth my time you know because mm-hmm. I've been reading started reading some indie stuff I was just barely dipping my toe in that I didn't at the time I was doing I didn't know whether I wanted indie publish or publish with a traditional publisher Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. I was just writing this thing and going, okay, right. my brain just won't focus. And so I found my editor, um, Clever Editors, and she went through it and just amazing, did amazing things um, and helped me organize my brain a little better. Um, and since she did that, it kind of now stayed in that mode. I kind of, you know, can keep it flowing okay. um, instead of doing the path of flashbacks. Um, so it was definitely worth the money. Um, that's the biggest thing that's been worth the money is, is getting the editors. Okay. Now, did you do your own book covers or did you have someone design those as well? I did them through um, getcovers.com. Um, okay. They're actually out of Ukraine. Um, and they've been amazing, even with all everything that's going on over there. I mean, there's still the customer service. is just ridiculous. And I'm like, how are you doing this? You're in the middle of a war. 
you know, <laughs> yeah. and they're and they're still getting back to me in emails. I'm like, y'all just relax, don't freak out if I don't hear from you. I, you know, I'm, I'll be patient. I promise. Um, but it's stock photos, and then they dress it up and, and do the design and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had them do the first one, and I I was happy with how it came out. So I'm having having them do the next two just to make sure they're cohesive. They look the same here. Yeah. But yeah, I've got a lot of compliments on them and they've done a really, really good job um, on a budget, which is also a good thing for us. Mm-hmm. Indeed, we have no money. Despite what everybody thinks, we're not all bestsellers right out of the, <laughs> out of the gate. <laughs> I say, I always joke, I'm building my, my writing empire one penny at a time on Kindle Unlimited, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody, you know, bar except like people that were famous before they started writing books. I don't think anybody is famous right out of the gate. They all start as, even if you get a publisher, they're all going to start as nobodies that then, you know, people may pick up and find them. But um, obviously the more advertising dollars you have behind you, the faster that will happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So many of us don't have that budget though. Yeah. Okay. You have to kind of go, okay. So I want my book to be edited properly and actually be able to be read, you know, people to read it right? or, you know, or I, I want people to read it. So I need to advertise it, but I don't want them to read it and it not be good. Right. You know, so at this point I'm kind of going, okay, I want my stuff to be good. Right. And I don't want it to look like I just threw it together in my basement, you know, overnight. I want it to look professional. Right. So eventually people will read that read write it and they will come right well if you don't write it there's no way for them to come (laughs) to read it that's right for audiobook auditions i'm like you get exactly zero percent of the auditions you don't do so like (laughs) i may sit there and you know acquire 20 auditions throughout the week but if i never submit an audition i probably won't ever land the book (laughs) so exactly that's what people are always asking oh what's your best advice for new authors and stuff and and I'm like just write it yeah just keep writing I mean you I get sometimes I'll get a pay I'll write a page and I'll think it's crap but at least it's words on the page mm-hmm. and it's something you can work with versus a blank page yeah staring at it. yeah yeah I've I've done um like you had been trying to write forever but it's I not necessarily the kid. I don't think the kid is what stifled my brain, um, <laughs> but um, just couldn't come up with an idea that would go like I could get any actual book content out of it. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, a chapter, maybe two, usually just a couple paragraphs. And then it's like, and now that idea is done. Like, there was... I've got several of those, too. I've got like yeah. eight, eight things working on, on Atticus that I'll do like three or four chapters and go, oh, man, that's really good. I should finish this. And then I've got nothing. And I'm a total pantser. I don't outline. I can't outline. I've never been able to. Um, Even in school, I'd tell my teachers, okay, I'll give you an outline because I'm required to hand you in an outline at this point. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to be anything like what it comes out to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just there. I can't, I just can't. I admire people that can do that and be organized that way and know their whole story arc and you know, everything that's going to happen. I don't, I just have to wait for the characters to tell me what's going to happen. Yeah. I have like, so they're just shut, they shut up. Yeah. 
So I have one book where, like, in my head, I I know where I want the book to eventually go, but that that's about the plan. Like, I know, like, the major things that are going to happen, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and then I have another one that I'm doing kind of a mythology retelling. And so I want to mm-hmm. hit, like, the major – but, again, it'll be – this yeah. is going to be the major thing we're going to rewrite in this book – and the rest of the book won't be planned out. Like, I don't know if you've seen Jason Duro on TikTok talk about his, but he plans like down to scene by scene. Oh, yeah. People do that. Planned. And I'm like, I just I don't know how don't you know how do that. that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't either. I don't know how people's brains work that do that. But yeah, I don't. And I I mean, when I started uh, Collide, which is the first book, I don't even remember how I started it. I mean, I started it with a particular scene. I take that back. I started it with a particular scene, mm-hmm. but I don't know where it came from, but it just started with this scene. And which that scene ended up being the middle of the book. <laughs> but eventually, but that's where I started it, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I wrote it. I, I really, I wanted to start out writing, which I'm going to do one of these days when I'm not working full time on top of this. Um, writing more of a history fiction about mm-hmm. my great-grandmother oh, that's um, cool. she w- lived in east texas um and actually the town i use for gladewater um mm-hmm. series that i'm writing um there is an actual gladewater texas but technically that's not the town that i'm using that i'm describing mm-hmm. because the town i'm using is actually kearns texas but Kearns doesn't sound as pretty as Gladewater. No, so, no it's not. <laughs> so, so I used Gladewater. And my mom was born there. So I said, okay, I'm just going to take a little artistic license. And use that name. As one um, can. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, so there is actually Gladewater. But the town, Kearns is where my great-grandmother lived. And the house that my main character, Danny, in the first book remodels was my great-grandmother's house. So everything I used in there is, from my memories from those places. Mm-hmm. Um, my aunt and uncle ran the general store in town. Um, so everything is pretty real um, to a point in the descriptions. You know, the names right. are all changed to protect the innocent, but. Um, <laughs> or the guilty. <laughs> or the guilty. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the, the, the place is the place. You know, mm-hmm. it's a real place. Um, and I always wanted to write my great grandmother's story because she led it just an amazing life like back in the early 1900s and you know and I remember her she didn't die she was 98 when she died mm. um and so I knew her you know growing up and we go there every summer mm-hmm. um and I hear all these stories about her um and I'm one of these days when I have time to do the history part of it justice because um, I want to get the history part right as well um, if I'm going to do historical fiction, I'm going to sit down and write that story um, based based on her. Um, but that's kind of what I started out. I thought, well, I want to write something, you know, set in East Texas mm-hmm. and around Big Mama's place, you know, and that's kind of where I got the location. But yeah, but in, you know, the, the houses are family houses, mm-hmm. you know. So you very town, much. Town, yeah, town you very much took from real life for all of your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. For the background. Yeah, I did. And a lot of the names um, I used are family names. Mm-hmm. They're not the particular family member that they belong to. But uh, <laughs> you <laughs> so got to change them around. Like, how you, yeah. How do you find your names? So that's, I don't know. I just use my family names or friends' names. I just don't make them that character. 
Right. So I just drag a name out. It's like, okay, that's a good name. Ideally, someone from the past so that... <laughs> <laughs> Although there's some weird names in the past, so you may end up with a book of a bunch of really old-fashioned names if you were yeah, to well, that. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the characters named is named Eustace, which was my grandfather's name, and okay. it's his uncle's name in the book. But I thought that it's just an interesting name, so that's what I got to throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Because I plan on for the Greek mythology, we're going to modernize. So take like Z from Zeus and use a more modern Z Mm -hmm. name. Do that. Haven't come up with any of them yet, but that's the plan. (laughs) When we get there. I think it was Zane, the main character Zane. So I took that one. You can't have that one yet. (laughs) (laughs) Zeke is the one that keeps like sticking in my head. But then I was also thinking maybe we could use, um, I talked to an author a couple weeks ago that said she like posted on TikTok asking for name suggestions. I'm like, that's a good idea. Like, hey, I need a name that starts with whatever. This letter. Yeah. That's a good idea. (laughs) And it's going to be, you know, since it'll be mythology based, like it's this, people will know the main names. I need a replacement name for Zeus or Poseidon or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And you got to have them make them be that kind of strong name yeah exactly that that matches the character exactly yeah that's kind of the plan we'll we'll see what happens i'm still in the (laughs) reading reading through the mythology sources first so that i know what i'm doing (laughs) so yeah i did i went into a deep viking dive for a while because i have a story that's sitting one of those i got started that i they're sitting there yeah (laughs) um that's a whole Okay, don't laugh because it's like really involved. It's like a um, a Viking wolf shifter time travel. That sounds make in- thing. In- intense. <laughs> <laughs> it's turned out pretty good. I've got some good stuff going on it, but then I'm like, you know, I really need to be writing stuff that um, I have to get out for the series. Mm-hmm. Um, finish one like before you, you do something yeah, finish else. Finish <laughs> one, and yeah, that never happens. But you know they keep when you when you're waiting on your characters to tell you what's going to happen and they don't talk to you. Mm-hmm. I'm going okay, so I need to do something just to keep the juices flowing, you know. Right. So I'll start something else, or which has come some of these weird things come to be. Um, but like right now, I've got two series going. I've got the the third in the Gladewater series I'm writing, mm-hmm. and I'm simultaneously writing the first book in a new series called the Savannah Sisters series based in savannah georgia and um and so they're about it's almost exactly even i've got about the same amount of work in each Mm -hmm. one right now so it's kind of i get stuck in one and jt and sophia are being stubborn and not talking to me so then i go and work on harper and wick for a while you know Mm -hmm. see what they see what they have to say yeah i'm hoping to get the other ones jealous you know so they'll talk to me again so that's the theory (laughs) scientific theory i'm sticking to it yeah so i was working on a um fantasy somewhat set in the future like 10 15 years in the future so not terribly far Mm -hmm. um i was working on that and then over my anniversary weekend in march me and my husband were talking about something else and i'm like oh i want to do this mythology thing instead (laughs) but i've been like trying to like as I do more, more research on mythology, I'm like trying to figure out like what exactly. First, it was, oh, we're going to have it be all the mythologies are going to be all happening at the same time in this one series. And then I'm like, eh, that's 
I don't a mind lot. a lot of I don't mind a lot of work, <laughs> but that's a lot for one series. So I'm like, yeah. all right, so we're going to do like the main the mythology I can find the most on is Greek. So we're going to be like, OK, the main series will be the Greek and then we'll do side series that are the other ones that it may be like, you know, some of the characters come into the different series. But that way I can, you know, get a couple Greek ones written and then start researching a different one to do that one. <laughs> so I know there's always something I have a friend that she is crazy she has so many things going on that that she's got dates for I mean I have dates in my head but I'm like okay I'd like to have it done by this date kind of when I want to you know put oh yeah at this point out. I'm like this year would be cool but it'll probably be next year <laughs> like there is no set date just like sometime yeah. in the <laughs> I got well, no, 12 I months to give a date. <laughs> I have to give myself a date so okay it took me this long to write this one this long to write this one so I should have this one out by such and such a date Right. So I'm trying to do that. And focus. But she's got, and she's got dates for all these things, the anthologies that she's in and blah, 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 and all these different things that are not her dates. They're other people's dates, you mm-hmm. know, she has due. I was like, you're nuts. And I don't know how she keeps up with it all. And then she comes up the other day and she's, oh, we went to see the Elvis movie. And I thought about this new story about Elvis and this Elvis impersonator. And what's her name? Um, Priscilla's impersonator and ball and I'm like no stop with the shiny objects <laughs> <laughs> squirrel no more shiny objects <laughs> um I said just stop I said write it down and then put it away you've got too many things she's like I know that's what I need you to tell me <laughs> I said I got enough things I, I'm the same way but you see something oh that make a good story and then I've gotten to where I'll make myself a note I keep my notes app on my phone all the time and I'll something will pop in my head and I'll write it down on the notes and then just leave it there. So I'm like, okay, I can't. I kind of finished the series. Okay. Right. <laughs> so it took you three and a half months to write it, and then it went to the developmental editor. So how long from starting to write it to developmental editor to all the formatting and stuff, how long was it to get all of it done and out and published? Um, she really, we kind of go as I'm going. So okay. I'll give her pieces. Um I may give her, like, the first book, I had her look at it, like, three different times um, okay. as I was going through to kind of organize. The second one, I only had her do it, like, halfway through, and then the end. Okay. To make sure everything was cohesive and made sense. Um, so, really, once I get it back from her, and then I have um, have it copy edited or proofread, uh, make sure that, you know, and still things come, you find things. Um, right. And I hope people are a little more forget or more forgiving because even if you've looked at this thing for a thousand times you still find been through stuff. professional copy editing and proofreaders and arc readers and you know it's still somebody will find something once right. you put it out you know and I'm like people really I promise it was actually copy edited um but yeah probably four months maybe um because usually I already have the cover done um, and I've got somebody that writes my blurbs because I cannot write a blurb to save my life because <laughs> I want to write too much. It's like I can't pull out quotes from the book. Some people are so good at that. They pull out quotes to put in Instagram posts or you know, right. on TikTok or whatever. I'm so bad at that because I want to do like paragraphs. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense if you don't know. Blah, 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 blah. You know? Yeah. You need the background. <laughs> You need the background of it, you know, everything. So I'm really bad at that. So I let somebody else do that for me. Um, but yeah, about probably about four months 
um, in total because I'm kind of working on everything at the same time. Okay, so that's not bad at all. No. And they're about 300 pages um, as you go. And, you know, they're romance books. Mm-hmm. So I'm, it's, and not that, not to put me on romance books, because I write romance and I like romance. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's not rocket science. You know, you're not having to, sometimes I, I admire people that can write these really, um, this fantasy built, world building mm-hmm. thing you know, and just get really into it because I don't know, I don't have, at least not now, don't have that kind of imagination, you know, yeah. and I think that's got to take a long time to really develop, you know, world building. I write contemporary. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I'm doing descriptions of places and things and stuff, but I'm not built, me, I'm not building a whole world uh, right? because I'm on a real place in the background. So I'm always in awe of people like that. So you, you need know. a lot more traveling so you have more places to pull from. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Someday when my kids are out of the house, that's what I'm going to do. Now, I did make my husband take me to Savannah because I woke up one morning with the series in my head. Mm-hmm. The whole series. And which tropes were going to be in which book. And I came up with the names that morning of the sisters and who their love interests were going to be. Mm-hmm. And how I mean, it was just bizarre. I woke up with it, and so I said, "I've never been to Savannah." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, we have to go to Savannah one weekend yeah. because I actually kind of need to see the place before I start writing, mm-hmm. writing it, you know." And so we went to Savannah for a weekend, and um, to took pictures, and so I go back to look at things, and yeah, you know, get the get the ambiance going on. Hey, I really want to describe this in my book. Let's take a picture of yeah. it. <laughs> take a picture. Of it. That's a cool tree. I'm going to take a picture of that. That's a cool fountain. I like that fountain. This is square. <laughs> this is the book that's going to be, you know, based on it. So the, the house that I'm going to put on it. So yeah. So I said I needed something. So we did that. Um, and then I've got a friend that just took a cruise to Norway last year. Mm-hmm. And um, so she wants me to write a book. Uh, based on a yarn shop owner in Norway. <laughs> All things. Okay. She has, because we are yarny people too. I dye yarn and, you know, do knitting and things. So, so yeah, so I said, okay, so she sent me a bunch of pictures from her trip to Norway. So that's sitting in my phone, waiting someday. <laughs> for when I get that done. When I have time. <laughs> yeah, I get lots of suggestions about she was here the other day, and she was like, well, when are you going to start my book about Nor- about the yarn shop owner in Norway? I said, it's in there. I've got notes. Just get <laughs> there eventually. <laughs> but I promise. It I takes time. Like, oh, i got to finish these other things first. Yeah, that's. I try to do mine. Of course, I have, like, you know, full schedule of narrating, so I'm trying to, like, fit, yeah. you know, my research and stuff between I've got to have read the books that I narrate first. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, you know. Have to make sure I'm reading those, and then I have the actual like time narrating that takes time, and then the time editing that takes time. (laughs) So I usually weekends are my I do author interviews for this, and usually I have like one or two each Saturday, and then I'll do like research. Right now I'm just stuck in research for (laughs) reading through all these things, but eventually I'll be writing on the weekends. So, um, 
Yeah, yeah plan it's two. hard. Because I, I, I work full time and I'm a nurse and I'm on the road all the mm-hmm. time for what I do. And so, you know, I can only write, you know, sometimes by the end of the day, your brain just doesn't yeah. have anything left in it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so you get, do a lot of weekend, a lot of weekend writing. Now, I have to ask, as a narrator, is there any plans for audiobooks on your series? I would love to do audiobooks, but it's expensive. <laughs> like, everything. It depends so on which way you do it. Buy but... lots of my books. Yeah, everybody <laughs> needs to buy lots of my books so I can have them narrated because I'm dying to have them narrated. And I was so excited you did those scenes for me um, on TikTok. <laughs> that was so exciting. I just couldn't stand it. Um but yeah, I would love to have them narrated because I can hear them in my head. Yeah. Know? You got to work on that Texas accent though, girl. You live there. I do. And I, <laughs> I my my Southern accent sounds more like Southern Belle than it does Texas. Yeah. Like it's just, it's not the, I'm like, I do a really good North Carolina Southern Belle accent, <laughs> but I've lived in Texas my whole life. <laughs> I know. What's up with that? You guys need to go out and hang out in some diners or something. It gets you some. <laughs> what's get, funny get is like done that way. I just don't hang around my family members that talk with accents like my parents neither of them ever talked with a Texas accent um, my mom was a navy brat so she kind of got you know a mix of everywhere's accent yeah. my dad I don't he lived in Texas his whole life I don't know why he never got an accent but um, yeah my parents just didn't now some of their siblings do yeah you need <laughs> to go hang just... with them for a while you gotta have the accent <laughs> And mine is all messed up because I I grew up in Texas and until I was like twenty, and uh-huh. uh, so I live I grew up there. And it's funny because then I moved I've moved all up down the East Coast since then, uh-huh. so it's kind of evened out a little bit. But when I talk to relatives or something on the phone in five minutes, it's just right back, you know. Yeah, <laughs> right yeah. back in. Yeah, I've done, let's see, I did a very, very short novella that was, um, it, she was a country singer in Tennessee. And so it was part of an, anth- like, not an anthology, but it was like a collection of this author's books in this series. Yeah. And so it was like, General American, General American, Southern, General American, <laughs> like the accents <laughs> that I had to use. And I get to like, the, the country singer comes in like partway through the second of the four books and I'm like, oh no! <laughs> so I'm reading through it. it. I'm out. like, oh, I'm like, I can do it, but it's not. <laughs> so, now it's a little bit better know, now that I've how, done. And I don't um, know how you do, like, because I was listening to some other stuff that you did that you do really good male male voices. voices? Yeah, as a woman, yeah, I try. And um, I said, I, I don't <laughs> think I could do that. My voice, I don't think, is a low enough register. I would sound like I was doing something weird. I tried to do. I These think it's just husky men accents. Like a lot of narrator narrators, you'll hear are like they have acting backgrounds or they have like you know other experience that is very very good for like making the switch over into audiobook narration. I used to do skits and stuff in high school, but yeah. like that, I mean, maybe once every couple weeks. It wasn't like a big. Like, I never had to do some yeah. big stage production or anything like that. So I'm like, I just do voices. I don't know. Now, um, about two, three months ago, I started doing, like, singing lessons to help with, like, making sure my voice could handle the switches between voices mm-hmm. better. 
Um, but there's some voices that I use, like the deepest male voice I use, it hurts my throat so much that I'm like, it has to be a minor character sure, that gets that it. voice. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I can't, I can't maintain this for a whole book. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's what you, and you never know too. Cause I like listen to, cause I listen to audiobooks all day long. Right. And, um, and it's like funny because some of the, some men do pretty decent female voices. Mm-hmm. Um, that you don't go, oh, cringe, you know, when they do it. Yeah. Um, some of them do, you cringe a little bit. Um, and it's the same backwards. So I never know. I'm going, well, should I? Do you want a male to do it and do the female voices? Or do you want a woman to do it and do the male voices? Yeah. And it's just, you know, like I'm playing with this, like I have money to do it. But <laughs> <laughs> these are the things I think about when I can get, get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I listen to them all the time and, and some of my, and you want it to be good. You know, you want it right. to people to, that people that don't read, read that listen to audiobooks all the time. You want them to like your narrator. So right. then they want to read the next, go get the next one. Cause now I've had very few, I've had a couple of books from famous authors mm-hmm. that I have just can't listen to. The narrator voice is so grady that I just can't listen to it. And I'll go actually buy the book and read the book. I had I like someone that say that about my voice this last, like in the last two weeks I had, I just oh, couldn't stand gosh. the narrator's voice. And I'm like, and gave me like one star and like all this. And I'm oh, like, no. but they worded it so, it was so mean the way that they yeah. worded it. I'm like, you didn't like my voice. You didn't have to be mean about it. Like, about it. not everybody's, voice. I'm like... <laughs> Well, and they said something about the storytelling wasn't great or whatever. Now, granted, this was like one of the first five fiction audiobooks yeah. I had done. So I'm like, I've improved a lot since, or I think I've improved but a lot it's since it's not then. your storytelling anyway. It's yeah. storytelling. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it's the narrator. But there's actually narrators that do, like, they don't do the character voices at all. There's some authors that don't want the care, And there's some listeners that don't want, you know, the full stage yeah. production at all they just I do a lot of dialogue in my yeah. books so I think I need need the the production well and you'll know based and on I need the voices yeah you you'll know based on what audiobooks you like to listen to because if you like yeah. the ones where you know the narrator's doing all the voices that's probably what you're going to want for your own book <laughs> so and what and how it's written you know I mean I can see some of the stuff you wouldn't need that you know certain books yeah would some... require it yeah. yeah I have a lot of dialogue in my books yeah, I don't, I don't know. I try not to show, not <laughs> tell. I try to show, not tell. Yeah, I don't think now I could do a, well, and of course, when I audition, I always have like the voices and everything like that, because that's, you know, what I'm used to doing. Yeah. So if I ever got one that was like, we don't want you to do that, I'd be like, well, then you picked the wrong person, because I don't know how to not <laughs> do that. <laughs> now, it was I funny, though. I outline. I can't outline. I got to do it this way. It was funny, though. I had... um one audiobook, the trilogy I'm currently narrating, um, the author was like, the publisher hired me. The author was like, I don't know if I want to listen through it or not. So I asked my husband, um, this author, it's a fantasy book, but the author writes very much like sci-fi, like the writing style is more sci-fi. Um, and my husband listens to a lot of sci-fi audiobooks. So I'm like, you know, can you please just listen through this and tell me like, does it sound terrible or is it okay? Because I don't know if this author is going to listen or not. And like, I need 
someone besides just me to listen through this and make sure it's not crap. So he's listening through and he's like, wow, because there's a lot of, it's fantasy. This author created a lot of, there's like two or 300 words he made up. And so my husband said, you know, for all, you know, sci-fi and fantasy both do that a lot. There's a lot of made up words. And he was like, "Um, yeah. So as far as any book he's ever listened to, he's like, you're one of the best for like making the made up words sound like part of the actual thing. (laughs) Sound like real words and make it sound natural. He said sometimes when he hears like a made up word, the narrator will kind of like pause a little bit and, and it sounds to figure out how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah and it just sounds yeah. awkward in the text and he's like you didn't do that I'm like I work very hard to make sure that it sounds natural it takes a lot longer to do it though <laughs> and how does the author not want to listen that he he is well he's he is really really busy and he's very particular so he was like I don't don't want to listen and then just be like upset because he doesn't like it or he is listening through it now but at the beginning he was like I don't know if I'm going to so um, oh I'd be like no I want to listen to every single word right yeah (laughs) yeah well that's most do most listen through it sometimes I get you know I obviously listen through it myself some narrators hire like proofers and other stuff I do a lot of royalty share so I don't pay out of my pocket for those things I listen through it myself make sure you know it sounds like normal language (laughs) talking (laughs) um but yeah he he is listening through it he just didn't and I've listened through it already but these made up words sometimes I forget oh yeah that's how it's pronounced so (laughs) yeah then you have to remember how to pronounce it the same yeah that's what I always you funny when you read stuff and you have Mm -hmm. words that are or words you just don't know Mm -hmm. that you don't know how to pronounce and then you go say something about it to somebody and they're like what? What are you? I'm like, okay, I don't know. I know what that word means. I don't never heard it said in real life. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, a thing. My worst one. The series, like now, now it's like crazy made up words, but I like it. <laughs> I was uh, doing a, it was this lady who was writing like her life story basically in these books. And so I'm narrating along and she comes back and she says, I think you said circumference wrong. I'm like, really? So I go look up, like, how is that word supposed to be said? I've always said it circumference. Have you? Circumference, (laughs) yeah. I'm like, I look it up and I'm like, oh, and then my husband's like, like, how have you been saying that wrong? I'm like, I've never heard it in real life. Or maybe I heard it and just thought they were saying it wrong. (laughs) Like, how often do you hear that word in real life? Well, it catches you too when you're here when you're listening to British narrators. Oh yeah, and they're saying things like laboratory and um, what's the other one? Lieutenant, not lieutenant. Yeah. Um, and so you just have to kind of, I kind that's something that just catches your ear, and I know that's what it is, you know. But I just want to say, oh, okay, laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it's so fancy in this one, yeah. What's funny, I've actually done two audiobooks by British authors who specifically didn't want a British accented narrator, even though like yeah. some of the words like I you know, had torch for flashlight. So some of the yeah. words were the British words, but they're like, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, I want an American accent, not a British accent. <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah, I would want what, it, you know, whatever. I guess it depends on what the book where the book is set. 
Both were fantasy, so set in... One of them was set in, like, Ireland, Scotland, England. Like, it was in that general region, but she didn't want the accents. And then the other one was, like, fantasy, so it was, like, all... It it didn't specify location at all, so... Yeah, so, I mean, they it yeah, was like, listen, you know, made up world access. kind of thing. I need to write something set in Scotland or Ireland just so I can have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, am yeah. starting. Sorry, yeah, just because I, I love it so much. Yeah, I'm starting to learn accents, but I decided to start with like Russian, which is probably, probably one, one of the hardest ones. So... <laughs> I'm like, may as well start with the hardest one. We can work How to the many easier Russian ones. Books do you have to read? <laughs> well, I have one coming up, We're but the author's author said one. I don't have to do the accents, but I'm gonna try. You need to go like go immerse yourself in your family for a couple of weekends <laughs> and pick up that because what part of Texas are you in? Dallas. Dallas. Oh well see perfect. Because that's where my family all is. They got that East Texas thing going on. Yeah, I grew up in South Texas. Ours is a little different. Yeah, the Spanish influence. Yeah, definitely. And of course, I got in the third book that I'm writing now. I've got quite a bit of um, Spanish in it, so I'm having a, one of my uh, one of my readers um, that helps me out speak Spanish. She's Spanish speaking first language. So I want to say something and I'll just send it to her and go, okay, because I've done Google Translate and that's like not always working, yeah. you know, properly. Um, so I'll send it to her and go, okay, this is what I want to say. How do you say that in Spanish? Mm-hmm. And I'll put it in, in the book. So um, it's like little short snippets mm-hmm. that I need because the family is Spanish speaking that I'm getting so yeah that's kind of a fun though too because I get to pull out that part of my background yeah and it's weird because I know words had to come up and words that I heard my whole life that I'll try to look up but I didn't know they're spelled you know because it's Spanish mm-hmm. and I should have taken much more Spanish when I was in school instead of French <laughs> um but so I go but I've heard it because I grew up in South Texas. So I heard mm-hmm. it all my life. And I'll go like the word Miha. I looked up because I had friends that their their moms call them Miha all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I went and I typed it how I thought it was spelled to make sure I was had the right definition. Because I know how to use it, but I didn't want to do something weird. Mm-hmm. And it gave me this weird definition on Google. And I'm like, well, okay. So then I had to go to my friend and go, okay. Am I just losing my mind? Or am I not just spelling it wrong? Or what's the deal? That I've heard this my whole life as an endearment mm-hmm. kind of thing. What is it? Is this? Am I not? She's like, no, that, that's right. I don't know why they're not doing. It. I'm like, well, thank God, because I've been using it through the whole thing. <laughs> and I know I've heard it. And I said, I know some of my Spanish is Spanglish. Yeah, you because know, we got a lot of that. Yeah, too. Um. But yeah, so I I really try to make sure I'm what I'm writing is correct, right, and not just random things I'm making up as I go along, right. Yeah, that's I know the Russian book author said that he did the Google Translate for some of his stuff. So like I know 
I'm going to get some of that. And, you know, I got to read what's on the page. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I know it's not go, great. Uh, I'm not sure that's right. Well, the hard yeah. part is having I mean, to say okay it in Russian. Simple things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Spanish hopefully will be easier. Yeah. I did one yeah, that it was... Good. Now, the the translation would have been good because they were doing a quote from now this would have been German, but they were doing a quote from Hitler. So that would have been accurate because they would have just you know looked up him saying yeah. it or whatever. But um, that was a nonfiction. And I don't remember why they were using a Hitler quote, but it made sense in the, the context. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I had to look up. How no, do you say this in German? <laughs> yeah. One of my pet peeves is because I'll read stuff that are people are writing about, for example, law enforcement. Okay. Mm-hmm. My dad was a police, so I grew up in that in that world. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm a nurse, so I know that you know the medical, mm-hmm. you know, side of it. I know stuff, and I'll read stuff, and they're obviously don't know what they're talking about, and right. the stuff they're saying doesn't make sense, and they've probably seen it on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they're basing it on. So I really, whenever I'm doing something like that, I always try really hard to to do my research, and if I don't know it personally, um, and make ask. sure I'm writing things that are accurate. Ask somebody, you know. Yeah. Um, make sure what I if I don't know it personally that I write. You know, talking to somebody that does know it personally, and then I'm writing accurately because that yeah. drives me insane. I ask my husband too for it, like that never happens. Yeah. <laughs> I asked my husband that too for narrating. Like I have one coming up where the guy is military. And so like he answers the phone and I'm like, how would, how would he answer the phone? Like what would his cadence be when answering the phone saying, you know, his rank and all of that? So I'll yeah. ask my husband, like, how would that be said? <laughs> so Yeah. Cause it's just, cause stuff sounds dumb. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're just making it up as you go along or they're, you know, talking something about, somebody's supposed to be military or police and they're talking about a firearm and or shooting a gun and you tell they've never shot a gun in their life yeah you know i'm going no that's not how that works <laughs> you know just, or, or medical stuff you know i you know watch a tv of course they have consultants and things on tv they're supposed to catch these things yeah but even you know even so you have to have dramatic license stuff has to happen you know, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing that hurt my feelings. One time, the biggest thing that hurt my feelings was I got a woman that was um, reading my book, and she she was very nice about it. She wasn't ugly about it, but she sent me a message and said, "I can't continue to read your book." And I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Why? You know, if you don't mm-hmm. mind my asking, what's the problem?" And she gave a couple things, and one, it wasn't written in first person. Okay, none of my books are written in first person. That's just not how I write. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, whatever. Some people don't like reading stuff that's not first person. No problem. Right. But then it's like, and I and I'm a nurse, and the medical pro- stuff is not correct. And I was going, "What are you talking about?" And she would never answer me exactly what she was talking about, which also drives me crazy. Yeah. I, was like, I am a nurse. I've been a nurse for twenty something years. I've worked in the hospital. I mean, I didn't put a whole lot, it wasn't a lot of detail. Yeah. To what I was doing because it, you know, it was set, not set, the scene was set in the hospital, but it wasn't, that wasn't directly the related to what story. Yeah. Yeah. She was working there. Um, so some of the stuff, I took a little bit of license, but nothing dramatic, you know. 
Yeah. Um, and it, so it real that really hurt me. Because I was like, I let it go. But it hurt my feelings. Because I was like, okay, yeah, I am a nurse. I've mm-hmm. been there. I want to be listed. I'm not writing fantasy. I'm writing contemporary, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, that was the hardest review, I think. I've, and it wasn't an actual review. She told me she didn't review it in person, you know, live or anything. But I was like, oh. Yeah, I'm gonna obsess about it. Yeah, <laughs> as one does. Forever. <laughs> yeah, as one does. Like, now I'm gonna obsess about that three star. I wonder why I got that one three star review. She... Yeah, I've had a couple of like lower star reviews that they never left a review, and I'm like, but what did you why? not like about? It? Well, and on audiobooks, you leave reviews on the overall book, the right, performance, the and then the story itself. So, like, when I get low reviews, I'm like, but why because i'm like if it's something that legitimately you know something beyond you don't like my voice i can't change that but if it's something that like i need coaching to fix i would like to know that (laughs) yeah but yeah usually the bad reviews don't tell you why it's a bad one was like it was a dual point of view and they didn't like that i did both perspectives and so they didn't they didn't like that i was the male voice and the female like the male character you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah <laughs> they didn't yeah, like that definitely. I did both both perspectives, both but yeah. but it was a royalty share, so like I would have had to have paid out of my pocket to pay a second person, um, which do I'm not it. gonna yeah. do. So <laughs> I'm like, you know, the author well, liked that could it. Have been the author's choice too. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that that particular author hired me to do like five books for her. So clear, and they were all dual point yeah. of view. So I'm like, clearly. You know, and that's the only person that's commented, but they bought two of the books and commented on both of them that they didn't like the same exact thing. <laughs> you liked like, you buy the second one. Exactly. <laughs> now, it could have been they got like free codes or something. I don't know for sure. But I'm like, you know, why'd you listen to the second one if you didn't like the first one <laughs> when you right, saw the narrators exactly. the yeah. same? And the same, you know, same author, same narrator. Why did you listen to it? Yeah. yeah. Now, when it's four stars... Yeah, there's a lot of people that just don't like to leave five stars. So like four star ones, I don't feel hurt about that. It's like three stars yeah. and below. I'm like, but why? Why? Yeah. yeah. And then if they don't make any sense or they don't tell you or they don't make sense or they didn't like the one character. And I'm like, well, so you and, and the rest, that's what drove me. I got one review that was she started out loving the book. It was great. Blah, blah, blah. And then she hated the main character. She thought she, something about her rubbed her wrong. And then, <laughs> but then she recommended the book and I bet she still gave me three stars. I'm like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. I'm so confused. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, that Yeah, I means. had one, once the same reviewer was like, oh my gosh, this one character's voice was just cringy. It was the boss of the lady. He's in it for one scene and literally says like five sentences. That's in the whole book. <laughs> okay. And they're like, oh my gosh. So like in the scene, he's firing her from her job. So I gave him this annoying, like yeah. squealy, high-pitched male cringy. voice. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, he's not a good guy. Like all he does is fire her for being late for work. <laughs> like that's all he does. Sorry, you're book. fired. The end. <laughs> so I'm like, whatever. I mean, I There's know. only so many voices one person can make. <laughs> can do, especially when it's a bad, supposed to be a bad person anyway. Dallas liked Cinderella when she was a kid. The fancy dresses, Prince Charming, and the bad guys getting what they deserve. 
Cinderella, or The Little Glass Slipper, is a folktale with thousands of variants throughout the world. The protagonist is a young woman living in forsaken circumstances that are suddenly changed to remarkable fortune. With her ascension to the throne via marriage, the story of Rhodopis, recounted by the Greek geographer Strabo sometime between around 7 BC and AD 23, about a Greek slave girl who marries the king of Egypt, is usually considered to be the earliest known variant of the Cinderella story. The first literary European version of the story was published in Italy by Gian Battista Basile in his Pentamerone in 1634. The version that is now most widely known in the English-speaking world was published in French by Charles Perrault in Histoires au Contes du Temps Passé in 1697. Another version was later published by the brothers Grimm in their folktale collection, Grimm's Fairy Tales, in 1812. Although the story's title and main character's names change in different languages, in English-language folklore, Cinderella is an archetype name. The word Cinderella has, by analogy, come to mean one whose attributes were unrecognized, one who unexpectedly achieves recognition or success after a period of obscurity and neglect. The still popular story of Cinderella continues to influence popular culture internationally, lending plot elements, allusions, and tropes to a wide variety of media. Today, we'll be reading about the Egyptian Cinderella. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. The Egyptian Cinderella Long ago in the ancient land of Egypt, where the green water of the Nile River flows into the blue water of the Mediterranean Sea, lived a young maiden named Rhodopis. She was born in Greece, but had been kidnapped by pirates and carried to Egypt where she was sold into slavery. Her owner was a kind old man, and since he spent most of his time sleeping under a tree, he never saw how the other servant girls in the house taunted and teased Rhodopis because she looked different to them. Their hair was straight and black, while hers was golden and curly. They had brown eyes, and hers were green. Their skin had the glow of copper, but she had pale skin that burnt easily in the sun, so they called her Rosy Rhodopis. They made her work hard shouting at her all day, "'Go to the river and wash the clothes, mend my robe, chase the geese from the garden, bake the bread.' She had no human friends, only the animals. She trained the birds to eat from her hand, a monkey to sit on her shoulder, and an old hippopotamus would slide up out of the mud onto the bank to be closer to her. At the end of each day, if she wasn't too tired, she would go down to the river to be with her animal friends.' and if she had any energy left from the hard day's work, she would sing and dance for them. One evening as she was dancing, twirling around lighter than air with her feet barely touching the ground, the old man woke from his sleep and watched as she danced. He admired her dancing, and decided that one so talented should not be without shoes. He ordered her a special pair of slippers. The shoes were gilded with rose-red gold, and the soles were leather, now the other servant girls could really hate her for they were jealous of her beautiful slippers. One day, word arrived that the pharaoh was holding court in Memphis, and all in the kingdom were invited. 
Oh, how Rodopis wanted to go with the other servant girls, for she knew there would be dancing, singing, and lots of wonderful food. As the other servant girls prepared to leave in their finest clothes, they turned to her and gave her more chores to be completed before they returned. They pulled their raft away, leaving a sad girl on the bank. As she began to wash the clothes in the river, she sang a sad little song. Wash the linen, weed the garden, grind the grain. The hippopotamus grew tired of this little song and splashed back into the river. The splashing of the water wet her slippers. She quickly grabbed them up, wiped them off, and placed them in the sun to dry. As she was continuing with her chores, the sky darkened. And when she looked up, she saw a falcon sweep down, snatch one of her slippers, and fly away. Rodopis was in awe for she knew it was the god Horus who had taken her shoe. Rhodopis now, with only one slipper, put it away in her tunic. Now the pharaoh, Amasis, pharaoh of Upper and Lower Egypt, was sitting on his throne, looking out over the people and feeling very bored. He much preferred to be riding across the desert in his chariot. Suddenly a falcon swooped down and dropped a rose-red gold slipper in his lap. Surprised, but knowing that this was a sign from the god Horus, he sent out a decree that all maidens in Egypt must try on the slipper, and the owner of the slipper would be his queen. By the time the servant girls arrived, the celebrations had ended and the pharaoh had left by chariot in search of the owner of the golden slipper. After searching on land and not finding the owner, he called for his barge and began to travel the Nile, pulling into every landing so that maidens could try on the slipper. As the barge rounded the bend in front of the home of Rhodopis, everyone heard the sounds of the gong, the trumpets blaring, and saw the purple silk sails. The servant girls ran to the landing to try on the shoe, while Rhodopis hid in the rushes. When the servant girls saw the shoe, they recognized it as Rhodopis's slipper, but they said nothing and still tried to force their feet into the slipper. The pharaoh spied Rhodopis hiding in the rushes and asked her to try on the slipper. She slid her tiny foot into the slipper and then pulled the other from her tunic. The pharaoh pronounced that she would be his queen. The servant girls cried out that she was a slave and not even Egyptian. The pharaoh responded with, She is the most Egyptian of all, for her eyes are as green as the Nile, her hair as feathery as papyrus, and her skin the pink of a lotus flower. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for the conclusion of Dallas Ryan's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and hear another of her favorite fairy tales.